What's up, everybody? Welcome to Inside the H Podcast, where Houston everything all the time. I'm your co-host, Ike Cuellar, right here with my partner, Kush. What's up, Kush? What's going on, brother? What's up, bro? Happy Sunday to everybody. Um, a huge, huge weekend that we just had, uh, the All-Star, NBA All-Star weekend. A couple of our Houston Rockets, you know, represent a little bit, so I'm going to let you lead in with that. Facts, man. Let's get started. Let's jump right into it. Um, we have right now we're in the All Star break, you know, uh, for the Houston Rockets, and we haven't been playing our best basketball. Obviously, some of the games prior to the All Star break have just been, you know, just awful to watch as a basketball fan. But you know, thank God we made it to the All Star break. Uh, I believe we're you know, at least 70 to 75% done with the season. We have like 20 plus games left. So, you know, it's almost over, y'all. We just got to, we just got to stay down right now, man, because uh, we, we got um, Wemby on our minds right now. Like uh, Rockets owner said uh, last night, uh, pray for Victor, right? So, so, it, so everything on Twitter is uh, hashtag pray for Victor. <laughs> hey, Tilda Fertitta was having a good ass time out there last night, man. They they caught yeah, us a little bit, man. <laughs> Facts, man. I want to know what, like, what was in this cup, bro. I want some of that shit. Like that. That's what I want to be sipping on because you could tell he was on it. And I don't blame him, man. He was having a good time. You know, he's from Galveston area. You know, Mardi Gras was going on, so he was just having a good time, man. I don't blame him at all. Um, but as far as the all-Star festivities for Saturday night. They have um, Jabari Smith in the skills challenge that was participating with the rookies. And they did okay. I mean, I think they came in second place last night. Um, they were struggling, you know, trying to get their shot going. And, you know, it's kind of the same story for Jabari Smith this season where He's struggling with his jump shot right now, and uh, hopefully he can uh, find it here in the second part of the season after this All-Star break because he just looks like he's been struggling, Kush, and um, hopefully he can change some of his mechanics because right now his shot looks a little flat. I don't know if he's using, you know, what he's doing differently, I should say, Um, but it looks like he's not um, using his legs enough for his shot because it looks really flat right now. So they came in second place, you know, for the skills challenge, the rooks, the rookies did. And, um, you know, it was entertaining, but I, I still believe the three-point contest was a little bit more, uh, you know, worthwhile to see was more entertaining. Um, and then we had Kane... Uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. in the dunk contest. And I'm just going to be honest with you, Chris. This was one of the better dunk contests that I've seen, you know, in a while now because we saw some dunks that were just spectacular. And let me take my hat off to Mac McClung, man. Like, he, he really came out and he did his thing. And he was kind of the dark horse of this dunk contest. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on some of the dunks that you saw. Uh, what was your favorite dunk um, from from last night, Coach, that you saw? My favorite dunk of the night was the one that clinched it for Mac McClung. The, the, the little spin he did with the windmill uh, behind the back dunk. Man, I remember watching YouTube videos of this kid when he was in high school. And he was doing this stuff on a regular like in like in actual games. So when I found out he was going to be in a dunk contest, I was like, bro, he might win it cuz, you know, I actually, you know, I actually remember watching him in high school and then I believe he went to Georgetown. And you know, his NBA career for him personally obviously is not going as planned for him, I think. Because I'm sure he he expected to be like a uh, better established player in the NBA, but to me, he showed he's one of the best dunkers in the league. He's flashy with his dunks. He's creative with his dunks. If there's any guy out of the four that I would give my props to and give respect to over K.J. Martin, 
um, it'll be Mac McClung, man. You know, I, I, I honestly really wanted to see KJ Martin win. And in my opinion, I thought, you know, the judges kind of fucked him a little bit. But, you know, props to Mac McClung. He did his thing out there last night. Yeah, man, I saw a lot of um, interesting, you know, crazy dunks that I really like. There was a couple dunks that Trey Murphy did where he threw the alley to himself, which which I thought was very impressive. That's like some NBA 2K shit. Like, I don't care how tall he is. Like, that's very impressive. Um, he threw it between his legs, and then he caught it and did a windmill or some shit like that. That shit was nuts, man. Like, he really put on the show. But I think what really helped uh, Mac McClellan was the fact that he executed his dunks on the first attempt, Kush. Um, when you execute him to perfection and you get it right the first time, that's just bonus points for you, and you deserve to win the dunk contest because you don't have the crowd waiting and you're not getting all these attempts, you know, at these, you know, these dunks that you're trying to, that you're trying to um, execute on. And, you know, KJ, KJ's dunks, the two that he had were very impressive, but he got it on the third try. So, naturally, you're going to get points deducted off of that. I mean, if you saw the dunk, what he did was ridiculous. Like, bro caught it from one side of the rim. He kind of peekabooed a look, like, inside the rim and then came on the left side and dunked it left hand when they when they did a slow motion that shit was crazy um you know props to kj he really went out there trying to put on a show for us because his attempts i felt like were you know more riskier than the other dunks because people were throwing alleys to him and when you have people throwing alleys to you normally naturally that's going to be it's going to take more attempts to try to make that so credit to him for going out there and trying that man there's a lot of players in this league that for whatever reason that don't want to participate in the dunk contest i'm not going to say no names on here but we all know who they are um they just refuse to participate for whatever reason and you know when you go back and look at all the nba players you know, the, some of the true GOATs that participated before. I mean, you see Kobe Bryant was in there. Michael, Michael Jordan was in there. You know, Dominique Wilkins, Vince Carter, a.k.a. the best dunker of all time. Like, you know, the, the fact that these guys went out there and put on a show for the fans um, really says a lot about them, about, like, how they're not scared. They're not scared to go out there, and if you miss dunks, then you just miss them. Fuck it, you know, but they did their thing, and, you know, credits to them. I still would love to see LeBron James in the dunk contest. I still would love to see John Morant in the dunk contest. So, you know, the list can go, uh, goes on and on, but credit to uh, Mac McClellan, man. Like, this guy, every dunk was electric. Every dunk was solid. I mean, bro did a 540 on one dunk, and the last one, he kind of just shut it down where he put his high school jersey on. Kind of reminds me of, uh, like, the professor from Anne One, because, like, kind of like a, you know, a street ball legend. I feel like if he was uh, in Anne One mixtape, he would be, you know, having a lot of highlights, a lot of poster dunks because of all the... Uh, you know, creative dunks that he can do. So it reminds me a lot of, you know, the and one players. But, man, you know, my hats off go off to him again. And uh, it was just uh, really cool to see that. Uh, it brought vibes of white man uh, can't jump, you know what I'm saying, that movie. But this, uh, white man, this white boy really did his thing, man. So credit to him. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I want to point out was the guy was just signed to like a 10 day contract by the Sixers and he got presented the opportunity. He fucking made the most of it. And, you know, I, I hope they sign him for the rest of the uh, rest of the season, hopefully for him. And maybe he can go out there and, you know, help them to playoff team. He, he might be able to help them 
whatever way he can. Uh, one thing's for sure, like if he's in the open court, he has an easy lane to the basket. He's gonna posterize people. So shout out to Matt McClung. Hopefully, you know more success this season, the rest of the season. You know, like we we just give when you do your thing, we just give you props, bro. Like that's a, a thing about me that I've always stayed solid with. Like it don't matter who you are. You know, what race, what color you are. Like, if you go out there and you do your thing, you deserve props. You know, it is what it is. So, with that, let's transition to the Houston Astros. I'm going to hand it off to you. Uh, I know that the guys are uh, reporting. Uh, they reported to a spring training, and they're, like, on day four right now. So, um, what, what are your thoughts of, of what we should expect, Chris, for this season and uh what do you think um, is going to be different from our team this year, man? Well, I think we're bringing back most of our guys. Obviously, uh, Jose Abreu is one of the first guys to show up, which I think that's that's huge from like a team chemistry standpoint. Like he wants to win. He's seen the Astros what they can do in the postseason. Um, he saw what we did last year, which is win the win the whole uh, whole thing, won the World Series. And so he wants in on that. He wants to be part of that. And he's putting in work, you know, came in early, um, got some swings in, uh, got some action at first base. So, um, you know, hopefully he has a good spring training and takes that into the season. Um, and I think that's that's huge because, uh, they, you know, Dana Brown talked about it like like they they want to get greedy with winning and. I think one of the most important parts of like any sport keeping that winning culture going when you've won in the past so many times before is keeping that hunger, hunger going, uh, staying hungry, right. you know, stay hungry to win games, to win uh, playoff games, to win championships. And I think this is kind of what you're seeing right now so far in spring training with them. And I hope that, I hope, you know, they can keep that going. Um, and then, Another, I guess you'd say, big news came out about Lance McCullers. Um, he's having arm issues again, day to day right now. You know, day, I think Dana Brown and Dusty Baker came out saying, you know, he's day to day. They're not really worried about it. But you know, to me, we we saw this last year and the year before. So, I, to be honest. If he's out like a like a month, I'm not gonna be that you know concerned about it. Uh, even if he's out to like during the summer, like we know how deep our pitching is, we know how deep our bullpen is. So I'm not really worried about it. If like I, the one thing I don't want is to we have to we rush him back out early. He gets hurt again and has those lingering injuries all season. So if he needs to rest, then I'm I'm okay with giving him the rest. Uh, we got we have guys like Hunter Brown to step up and you know really do the thing uh, in the pitching aspect of things. And another thing that came out today was you know Jose Altuve reported at camp today, and they were they were talking about getting a deal done with him. And he recently said that he wants to be an Astro for life. So if you're an Astros fan listening to that, that's what you want to hear, man. Jose Jose Altuve wants to be here. Um, we hopefully management will bring him back. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Oh yeah, man. He, uh, Altuve is not going anywhere, man. He's he's the main guy of our team. He's our goat. Um, he's our leader. He's the reason why I feel like the chemistry with our ball clubs have been so um, so good over the years, man. Like just how everybody embraces one another, and you know the the family um, environment and vibes around the team because of how Altuve is and how he carries himself and how good of a leader he is, man. So he's not going anywhere. You know, he's our goal. I want to talk about Lance McCullers for a little bit and touch on what you said. You know, for us Astros fans, um, it almost seems like this is normal to us. You know, every year, um, he gets hurt and, you know, we just want to make sure that he gets healthy and kind of in a way limit him in the regular season just to keep him healthy 
for the whole year because baseball is a long season, man. It's a lot of games that they play. So just have him healthy, and we just have to have him for the playoffs, man. Like, he needs to be healthy when it comes, you know, um, August, September, and October. He needs to be ready to go then. So, uh, you know, the injury news that came out about him really doesn't um, – it's not like news to us because it, it just happens like uh, mostly like every year, you know, with Lance McCullers. And uh, we just hope that he gets on the field uh, whenever he gets healthy again. And, you know, Godspeed for that. And and we hope that he can come back and dominate the, the way he has been over the years, man. Yeah. Um, as far as the Lance McCullers thing, you know, we lost Justin Verlander this offseason. So, you know, and I know a lot of Astros fans are saying, you know, well, he's struggling in the playoffs. You know, we all know his World Series uh, woes, if you want to call it that. But I think people forget during the regular season, he he was a Cy Young pitcher. He won a lot. Of, I think he went like 18 and four or something. Um, that's going to be difficult to replace. However, I think the way that you replace that is the sum of the parts, right? Like, we have Framber Valdez coming back. You have Javier coming back. Um, Lance McCullers, if he can stay healthy, if he's only out a month, I think he can help with that. The bullpen's going to help with that. So it's it's not just going to be one guy that's going to, you know, make up for that loss. But if there's any pitching staff that can, you know, kind of help with, help with that loss, I think it's the Astros pitching staff as constructed right now. Um, you know, we talked about Hunter Brown. He's hopefully he has a really good rookie season. I I really believe in him. Um, you know, whenever I think last year uh, when he debuted as a starter, I think the ne- the next week I bought a Space City Hunter Brown jersey. So that shows you how much belief and love I have for that guy. So you know, hopefully he has a good season. But yeah, it's gonna. I'll say this. Astros fans aren't in for a rude awakening, but I think we kind of discount how good Justin Verlander was for us last year in the regular season. And I don't know if there's going to be a drop off, but it's you know we'll we'll see how it goes with with the other guys. But I don't think replacing him is going to be as easy as everyone thinks it's going to be. Yeah, man, I agree because you know you you have some people come out and say, well. In the playoffs, he wasn't really that good. But when you look at his record during the regular season, a lot of those dubs came because of Justin Verlander. Like, he was doing his thing. He was solid. And you can't forget about that because in baseball, like I said, there's so many games in the regular season. And you need to be able to kind of weather the storm sometimes you're, when the bats are not alive, you know what I'm saying, and keep the, the game close and things like that. But I agree with you, man. I think it's going to be a team effort and kind of replacing that, re- replacing that production with our bullpen. Uh, we're more than capable of doing that with the guys that we have, um, you know, on our staff, on our pitching staff. And I think – I think that we're going to be right back in the mix, man, in the playoffs, and I can't wait for March 28th. Is it that's home uh, opener, right, Kush? I believe March 30th is the opener. It's on a Thursday. It's a Thursday. Okay, night March game, 30th. Yeah. Okay, so I can't I can't wait for the home opener, man. I'm so ready for that. I've been counting down. I know uh, all the fans are too, man. Uh, can't wait to get uh, back inside the juice box. Yes, it's fast approaching, man. Baseball season is almost here. It's almost here. Let's go. I already got my meme uh, together and ready. The one of Drake with the Houston Astros cap. They hate where he's screaming his lungs out. You know what I'm saying? For that day. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how I'm going to feel that morning when I wake up, bro. Because I'm so ready for a Houston team to just give me any wins, bro, right now. The way... You know, some of the other Houston sports have been going on. I cannot wait for the Astros to get started, to get some dubs and get some positive vibes in the city of Houston, man. With that, let's transition to the Houston Texans. Um, they recently, 
filled their um, their coaching staff that, you know, D'Amico Ryans, Nick Casario were able to sort out and pick out some of uh, some candidates for their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator positions. Um, I want to get your thoughts on those hirings, Kush. I know um, we hired for offensive coordinator. We hired uh, Bobby Slowick that used to be an assistant for the 49ers. And for defensive coordinator, we got Matt. I think it was Matt Burke from the Cardinals. Facts, yeah. We we hired Matt Burke as our defensive coordinator from the Cardinals, and it still remains to be seen if D'Amico is going to be kind of running the defense uh, with him, like helping, assisting in that, or he's kind of is he going to let him do his thing? So I want to get your thoughts on those hirings, man, and uh, how do you think the Texans did with those uh, filling those two spots? I think the Bobby Slowick hiring was expected because he, you know, he coached with him in forty nine with the Forty ers so they he they know each other. So you know, usually with the, when a new coach comes in, they usually get guys from their old staff that they know. Um, with the with the um, defensive coordinator hiring Matt Burke, I was kind of, I was kind of surprised they went to him. Um, he he had a little stint with the Dolphins as a defensive coordinator, I think, a few years ago, which did not go well. Obviously, um, I'm pretty sure. I'm the first obvious thing that people will point to is JJ Watt probably uh, recommended him. For the position, so maybe that went into a, a little bit. Um, and I think with the defense, I'm not really concerned with the defensive coordinator hire as much as I am with the offense because D'Amico, I think he's he's gonna have a huge part in calling the defense. Um, but with the offense, we have to remember that last year we were one of the worst teams offensively in the entire league. Um, Quarterback wise, Mills had the most picks, I think. If I'm not either close to or or the most picks, some somewhere on there. But our offensive like rankings were really bad last season. They were bottom near the bottom in almost every category. And so, you know, the off the offense is the one that I was most concerned with and worried about as far as, you know, um offensive coaches are concerned. Um and just, I think one of the things that was interesting to me before the offensive coordinator hire, because we haven't we haven't done done one of these podcasts in like a week and a half. So one of the most th- one of the things that was most intriguing to me was the whole Cliff Kingsbury thing that came out before we hired Slowick, and a lot of Texans fans didn't were not on board with that. But I, to me, like. I was intrigued by it. I didn't think it was going to happen simply because D'Amico said he wants to be a run-first team, and Cliff Kingsbury is, is an air-raid guy. He's a pass-first guy. And so I I didn't think they like they didn't align with that. But I think it, it would have been an interesting hire. Like I want to get your thoughts on it because I know a lot of, a lot of Texans fans didn't like it or didn't agree with that move if that were to happen, but... Especially if you are drafting a quarterback, and I think a lot of people made this comparison with um, Kyler Murray, undersized quarterback, Bryce Young, undersized quarterback, right? And so, if they did choose to go that route, I guess it'll make a little bit of sense. But wh- what were your thoughts on the whole Cliff Kingsbury stuff that came out? Well, I thought that you know, if we hired him, everything was kind of looking up towards us uh, drafting Bryce Young. You know, with our pick, whether that's uh, going to for, trading up and going up to the first pick, or you know, just hoping that he fell up, he fell to us at number two, because he has worked with Murray, and Murray has been successful. You know, with him, he, he coached him for um, was it uh, three years, two or three years, and you know, he was doing his thing, but um. 
I kind of figured they weren't going to hire him in because, you know, how everything happened in Arizona and the way he left. You, you know, there's a lot of things going on where it was just, like, real shaky for him, man, you know, right now. So I, I just thought that, I mean, I had a thought that I just, I didn't believe they were going to hire him. But as far as, like, Bobby Slowick, man, like, if you really look at the years that Debo Samuel, um, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk had in the 49ers, they all had career years. They had so many receptions. Kittle almost had 1,000 yards. Uh, Debo, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk had career years. So this guy brings something to the table. He knows what he's doing. Uh, when Purdy was the quarterback, they were still eating, bro. So he wasn't even their second-string quarterback. He was third-string, and these guys were still getting fed. And with him being the passing game coordinator over there that he was, and for this to be going on, it shows that he had success. He has, you know, experience. Uh, I believe it's like around 10 years of experience, you know, in different roles. But when you have a year like that where your receivers are eating, even with a third-string quarterback, it really shows that you know what you're doing because these guys went deep into the playoffs and really beat some really good teams along the way. Think about it. They beat the Cowboys, who, who had one of the best defenses in the NFL, you know what I'm saying? Um, they beat a lot of good teams along the way. And, you know, I, I know they had a great defense. You know, credit to D'Amico Ryans as a defensive coordinator up there. But the offense was still clicking. So I think it's a good hire for the, you know, our offensive coordinator position. I think he's going to be successful with either uh, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, you know, as quarterback and just work with those guys and um, just help them feel comfortable, you know, like take the pressure off of them um, early where they're not put in position to, you know, create all these plays with their legs and get hurt right away. We don't want that. We want these guys to be smart and just, you know, stay in the pocket for the most part unless you have to do your thing, you know, uh, and run, you know, use your legs to pick up the first down. But for our defense, man, I agree with you, Kush, when you said, I really feel like the Miko Ryans is going to take over in those schemes and calls for the, um, the defensive side of the football. You know, he's really good at it, as we've seen, uh, really successful. I think depending on who we draft. And, you know, I know we need some rushers, some defensive ends uh, to get after the quarterback to kind of help our secondary. But we have Stingley. You know, we have Jalen Petrie uh, back there. I'm really excited to see what our defense is going to look like next year because I think D'Amico is just going to enhance that, um, you know, enhance the – just the aggressiveness of how the defense was as far as getting turnovers. Because if you can score points by getting turnovers, that takes the pressure off the offense, bro. So now your quarterback, your young quarterback, comes in there more confident, right? Now you get to run the ball more, use the clock. You know, you can take um, have little dump screens here and there and use the clock to your advantage. You don't have to, you know, go for the home run the whole time when your defense is playing that, you know, complimentary football where it's helping you and it's scoring points on the other side, man. So really excited for our hires. I think they did a great job and doing their homework. And um, just I can't wait for uh, NFL season again and for the draft, especially the draft, man. Yeah, draft coming up. Um, earlier, I think a report came out uh, that the 
the Texans were, you know, strongly considering using their number two pick on a quarterback, which I think we all think that's the case anyway. But you know, there's a lot, a lot of talk about: Do you go defense with the number two pick, get a quarterback later? Do you sign somebody like Derek Carr, who is a free agent now, for to a short-term contract, and just you know, use your picks on defense and get a quarterback late in the draft. Like, there's all these scenarios trying to play out, and I think a few weeks, a few weeks, a few weeks ago, I talked about it. I actually talked, actually called this. Uh, I think a few weeks ago, I said, you know, start coming around draft time, draft time, combine time. We're gonna start hearing about how Bryce Young's size. Like, we're gonna start hearing a lot about his lack of size and. We're starting starting to hear some of that stuff now, and um, to me, like I said it then, and and I'm gonna reiterate it now. I still think it's whether we get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, if they go quarterback number two, I'm I'm cool with either one. I love both of them. Um, I think Bryce Young's lack of size is quote unquote a little bit of a concern, but. If you watch, if you watch the film, the games he's played in at Alabama, dude, he's a baller. He can he can make the throws, um, and I want to get your take on like what like about Bryce Young's lack of size, like that all the concerns are coming up now with all the you know draft combine coming up and all that stuff. Do you buy into that or? Do you still think he's going to be really good wherever he goes? Because to me, in my opinion, whether it's here or somewhere else, I think he's still going to be a really good quarterback. Well, facts. I kind of agree with both things you said. I mean, I do think that wherever he goes, he's still going to be a really good football player. I mean, if you look at where he's coming from, from Alabama, the guy has really played in some really big games where there's been pressure and he rose to that. You know, he he delivered under pressure. And you can't take that away from a player, man. When you have that clutch gene and you come through and, you know, you do your thing and you help your team win the game by making the right throws, the right reads, calling the right, you know, audibles and plays like that, you can't take that away from a player. So I do feel like... He's still going to be good wherever he goes. But to answer your question, I do buy into that. Like, I am afraid of his size because the NFL, man, it's a different animal, Kush. And, like, whenever, like, running quarterbacks don't last in the NFL. It's kind of like an old cliche saying, um, but it's true because these linebackers and defensive ends, they're so fast. You think you're going to run it for a first down, and now you're getting your ass sacked. You know what I'm saying? You you lose yardage, or you might just make it back to the scrimmage line. So um, a running back always uh, – a running quarterback always scares me just for the fact that they can just hit you one time and you get an injury, you're out for the season. And, and he's little – as well as far as the size that we're talking about. So that's even more of a concern. And I just feel like, you know, we shouldn't, like, not that we shouldn't, but we should look at other options, whether it's CJ Stroud or I know there was talks of the other quarterbacks in the draft, but I heard recently, too, the Colts owner was talking about trading up and drafting the Alabama quarterback. And I know a lot of times these guys are just talking shit. They're trying to, like, you know, scare teams to, like, kind of give assets when they're not supposed to or, like, just to, you know, just to kind of hype up the situation and kind of try to get you, like, startled a little bit. But... I don't give a fuck about what the Colts say or do or what they're going to try to do. If you want to trade to number one and get Bryce Young, then go ahead and do it, bro. Like, run that circus because you're going to have to give up 
extra assets for that extra draft capital to get that quarterback, and we're still going to end up with C.J. Stroud. So the Colts are probably the team that I hate the most, especially because they're in our division. And, you know, when they had Peyton Manning all those years, they were always kicking our ass, like, every single year. Uh, except when we had uh, Arian Foster and we kept them on the sideline. But, um, yeah, man, I, I'm very concerned about his size. And I do, like, understand the, the ties there, how we want players from the SEC, you know, especially specifically from Alabama because how – uh, high their football IQ is coming out of there, out of that program. And, you know, not to mention, you know, this guy because he really fucked up our franchise, but Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator over there. And he he got to coach him for a year. And, you know, Nick Casario and Bill O'Brien have, um, you know, ties and, you know, they speak to one another and they're kind of looking for the same thing in players. Um, yeah, man. And really, I, I say all that to say this. A running quarterback scares me. Scares the hell out of me. Especially that that small uh, compared to the quarterbacks that are, you know, more durable and, you know, have a bigger frame in the NFL nowadays. So I do buy into that Kush because I'm just afraid that, you know, this guy gets one hit and it's done. And you can say that with any player, right? You can say that with any player. They get hit one time and it's over. But this guy likes to run. Like, we see it all the time and all these big games when – it was a third and long situation. The play broke down, and he picked up the first down with his legs. So I really feel like ideally, I, I think that he's the perfect, you know, pick for number two because of all the ties and everything I mentioned. But I still would go with uh, C.J. Stroud. And, you know, go from there. But, you know, we'll see what happens in the draft. And, you know, as far as the Derek Carr situation, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that, man. Um, bringing him for a year, you know, and, and see what he can do. I mean, you could, you could sign him and still draft a quarterback, you know, like, and just let him, you know, learn for a year and see – what the NFL is like. I know a lot of people will disagree with that, but, you know, Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback, man. He's lasting these years in a league for a reason. I know when we had his brother, we had no offensive line, so we we're just, you know, complete ass for a long time. But I, if I was the general manager, I would really look into that. And just to see, you know, what the, what he wants as far as, you know, the, the, the years and the money. And and just to explore that, man. But, but yeah, man, like, I just want to see us be competitive again. At least try to win the division. And just have a quarterback that you can rely on. I don't... You know, to be honest, at this point, I don't really care who it is as long as it's somebody that we can rely on, Kush. Yeah, and I think, I think the as a Texans fan, the great part about all this is all the different scenarios and all the different options like that they can go. Um, as far as getting Derek Carr on like a one-year deal and then drafting a quarterback and letting him sit and learn behind him, I'll be, I'll be okay with that. And I'm going to bring up this situation uh, before I... Before I say this, I know people are going to overreact to what I'm about to say, but before I say what I'm about to say, just let me say that I'm not comparing this situation to our situation at all, okay? Um, so here it is. If we remember, Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith for a year, right? 
the next year he popped off. They they went to the AFC Championship, got beat by the Patriots. Uh, later, he won a Super Bowl. Just won his second Super Bowl. So, to me, the whole the rookie quarterback has to start no matter what thing is. It doesn't always have to be like that, but you know, obviously, every situation is different. I think they can go either way, and they will still be okay at that position. As long as they, as long as they get the guy they want, like I don't want it. I don't want it to be a situation to where they had a certain guy below another guy on the board, and you know they pick the second guy on the board instead of the first guy on the board for whatever reason, right? Like if they if they want if they want C.J. Stroud and he's there. I think they should grab C.J. Stroud, right? And if they want Bryce Young and he's there, they should grab Bryce Bryce Young. I think the interesting thing is going to be if both of them are there with the number two pick to see what they do. Because, I mean, I think both to me, both of them are going to be good quarterbacks in the league wherever they go. And so, to me, that's the most interesting part is, you know, what kind of evaluation goes into it where they pick one guy over the other. And, you know, I can't wait for the draft. Um, we have some special stuff planned out for the draft. Can't wait for you guys to, you know, hear about it. Yeah, man. Texans, Texans offseason about to get started. Free agency around the corner, too. Combine season about to get started. So all, all this stuff is happening. And, you know, I personally, as a fan, am so, so excited about it. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's new head coach. Um, let's let's get the D'Amico era going. Uh, I don't know about everybody else, but um, during the press conference, they were giving out these D'Amico Ryan's like shirts with fifty nine on the back and Coach on the back. And I caught me a shirt, man. It's coming in the mail in a couple weeks. Can't nice. wait to rock it to Texans games next season. So you know, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I want to say something about CJ Stroud um, because in my opinion. I would take him over Bryce Young, as I, as I said before, but it's just not because he's bigger than Bryce Young. It's because of how he played in the big games, the throws that he's able to make. I feel like everything Bryce Young can do, CJ can do it the same, if not better. And you just want a guy that's proven, that's been in those pressure situations, big games, and has helped their team win ball games, man. So I think, you know, when a combine starts, I think a lot goes into that as far as their mind frame, like where they are mentally, you know, as a player, as a leader of a football team, because that's going to really – separate who they want to pick in my opinion and how they want to approach the situation man because what type of leader are you in the locker room you know on the field how can you get the best out of your guys you know out of your receivers uh, running backs of offensive line how do you communicate with these guys you know everything you know plays a big part in the type of you know, the decision that you make and the type of leader you want on your football team, man. So I'm really excited for that. I think the draft is like late April, if I'm not mistaken. So can't wait for that. And really just looking for for the Houston Texans to come out with the new uniforms already too, man. You know, really excited about that. Hopefully they're like the oiler colors. I'm copping at least two, three jerseys. Um, I don't know if you saw it recently, but uh, I think it was like a couple of days ago. I tweeted, um, they have like a new, like a red jacket that says H-Town on the back. Yeah, that. That Andre that. Johnson was rocking that. That shit is fire. I'm copping that. Um, you know, everything is um, looking good for us. Been moving forward. Like, we see the changes. Now it just has to translate to the field and... You know, um, hope that D'Amico 
Ryan's lead us um, to the promised land, man. Yeah, and one thing I want to add about the draft, the number two pick with the whole quarterback thing is, you know, fair or not, whichever, like, if they do get a quarterback, whoever they pick, he's going to be attached to D'Amico Ryan's name for for years, as long as he's here. And so, this is like, it's a really, really important decision for the Texans franchise, because not only that is whoever we get is going to be the face of the franchise, so... I think in I think in the in their quarterback evaluation, leadership is going to be a huge, huge, huge point for them because this is a guy that's not only going to be your leader on the field, but he's going to be your leader off the field. He's going to be the face of your fan franchise, your franchise quarterback. So, and we've seen so many teams fuck it up before with the you know naming whoever they name as their quarterback of the future slash franchise quarterback. So. We hope we're not one of those teams. We hope we get it right, and um, that, I think that's the most important most important thing. As fans, uh, you can like guy one over the other. You can have your opinion on one guy over the other. Who you think is going to be better? Uh, you know who, you know, evaluating their limitations, their strengths, and all that. But to me, as long as we get the right guy and we win games, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, man. Facts. We need we need some playmakers on our offense too, bro. Um, some wide receivers that can put up some numbers. You know, stretch the field. It'll be interesting to see what we do with Brandon Cooks to see if he wants to stick around and kind of you know just help us with the offense. And because if he's in there, he's going to get a lot of looks, just like he's been getting over the last couple of years, even with you know, being on a bad team like he was, he was still getting a lot of targets and looks. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, yeah, man, that's that's pretty much all we have for the Texans. Uh, I want to give a big shout-out to the University of Houston uh, Cougars. They won tonight. So, you know, they're staying on track, balling, and uh, – I, we can't wait for March Madness. You know, like, this this podcast is all Houston, Houston, everything. So we're going to show love, you know, whenever Houston teams, um, you know, get dubs and everything like that, man. Um, uh, what do you think about the Cougs and March Madness, Kush? Are you, are you excited for uh, March Madness? Yeah, man, I think um... – I think the Cougs have been good all year. The twenty-five and two, uh, you know, I don't know if you watched the game today, but uh, I watched the, you know, most of the second half of that game, and Memphis was kind of cutting it close, kind of cutting it close, but uh, the Cougars kind of, you know, shut the door at the end. They got the, they got the win. Um, they're probably going to be the number one seed in their region when it comes to the tournament, and so. It's crazy because I think the Longhorns and Baylor are in the region too. So there might be a situation where we're watching, you know, two Texas teams battle it out to get to the final four. So I'm excited. Uh, I was excited last year. Um, was kind of disappointed that they didn't make it to the final four last year. But I think this is the best U of H team I've seen in a while. So, and I think as far as the, you know, NBA discussions go. Jairus Walker, the forward for the Cougars, I think he's going to be a first-round pick too. So that's the guy to watch if you're interested in about the NBA draft. Um, yeah, man, I think they're going to be really they're going to be really good. I think I think they're going to make it to the final four this year. Um, they're my pick to win the national championship. I'm going to say it right here on the podcast: U of H is going to win the national championship in men, in men's basketball this year. Facts, bro. That's that's crazy because Final Four is here in Houston this year. So that's going to be crazy. And, you know, big shout-out to Kelvin Sampson, man. He, he's a hell of a coach, has really had the Cougs um, in it, in the discussion every single year. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. Um, he's been assistant before on NBA teams. The guy just knows what he's doing, and he really – you know, is discipline and has this approach about the game where 
he holds a lot of these players accountable and just make sure he's always on their ass, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, man. So that's going to be exciting, you know, when that comes to Houston. I plan on going to a couple of games, man. Hopefully you can join me, Kush. Um, that's going to be <clears throat> hell of a time here in Houston when the Final Four uh, gets here. And I also want to give a shout-out to the Houston Roughnecks. They won their game uh, yesterday, and from, I guess, two years ago, they've been undefeated, man. I'm really, really excited to go catch one of their games also. Um, you know, Wade Phillips is our head coach. A lot of Houston ties there. He has a lot of history with Houston uh, before. Um, can't wait to go out there and tailgate with some of the guys, man, and catch one of their games. Yeah, man, Roughnecks, they're the best team in the league so far for right now. I want to know. They won 33-12 to 12 last night. Um, and, you know, a lot of our friends were there last night. It looks like a fun time, man. We're going to have to catch one of these games this year. And, Rats. you know, uh, Houston Roughnecks, they play at uh, U of Ages football stadium, TDECU. And, man, that those games look fun. Uh, the Rock was there last night. He was throwing up the age, so... You know, it's all it's all good vibes over there right now. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to cop one of those jerseys too, man. Uh, the jerseys uh, really look dope, um, and like they 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 really were champions the last time they played, bro, because they were undefeated. Nobody beat them when you think about it. So, uh, any football here in Houston, man, we're gonna any football wins here in Houston, we're gonna celebrate. So. Um, Shout out to the Rednecks, man, and uh, hopefully they keep winning, man. But that's going to be it for us here on Inside the Age podcast. Uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Make sure that you subscribe to our podcast everywhere you can you, you get your podcast from, and we're also on YouTube. Yeah, like Ike said, bro, we're on where you can find us on YouTube. We're on Twitter. You can follow me or Ike on Twitter. Uh, if you go to our YouTube page or any of our videos. Um, or either anywhere you go on Apple or or, or Spotify, uh, our our Twitters will be in the in the uh, link down below. Um, give us a follow, give us a shout out, give us a, a retweet. Um, uh, we thank you guys so much for supporting us, and we'll see you guys in the next episode, man, next week.